Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Pathway to Pentecost by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, as we come around your word, we pray, open our hearts and our ears, and please keep Rob awake in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. This morning, uh, thank you, Steve or Bailey, if you can flick that up, thank you. This morning, I want to talk about Pathway to Pentecost. It's almost... In some respects, as you will see, it's almost a part two to last week for those that were here for coming into your calling. I want to lay before you this morning, uh, I want you to know I had an awesome, what I thought was an awesome introduction prepared, but God often has different ideas when we do these things. And so uh, I want to share with you a journey from the past 12 months. Uh, I remember when COVID hit, I, I was reeling and asking God, God, what are you doing and what's going on? Uh, I thought surely God will shut everything down, but he won't shut the churches down. But how many people know that they shut the doors of churches as well and we were, we were isolated? And I, I was wondering, God, what have you... I've noticed something and I want to warn you that when you begin to question God, he returns the favour. And in that time, and I believe there's a message that comes out of COVID and I, and I shared part of this, what I'm going to say this morning, I have shared last September before I took off on holidays and... If there is one scripture that keeps coming over and over and over, I want to read you a scripture this morning and ask you a question. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting, huge word, expecting, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, the verse we're coming to today, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What a powerful verse. But as I began to question God, I felt God beginning to question me. I kept coming back to that verse. And even in recent times and recent circumstances, I felt God ask me one question. Sean, what do you have? And I want to ask you a question before we go any further today. It's between you and God. What do you have? The reality is that we could bring those same words into the 21st century. And the reality is that we come to the temple here, so to speak, every week. But there is a complete community out there. And let's extend beyond the residents for a moment. There's two and a half million people in the city of Brisbane that are lame, at least spiritually. There are up to two and a half million people. And I know people are sneaking across the border from New South Wales. We need to build a fence and a wall, right? But which are increasing the odds. But the reality is people are hurting. We're seeing them in this place each and every week. People are hurting. And all too often, as individual believers and as churches, our answer is we'll throw gold and silver at it. We'll just throw more money at it. We'll just we'll make up more programs. Let's, let's get together a neat little evangelistic program. And who knows that if Peter and John had dropped some gold in that guy's hat, they might have blessed him in a moment and felt better about it themselves, but they did nothing to arrest his condition. 
The reason is we can have all the programs, we can throw all the money that makes us feel better about it. Let's send some money to the missionaries. Let's, let, let, let's, let's pump up the evangelists and send them out. But at the end of the day, what our city needs is believers that grab hold of the power of the Holy Ghost and live it in their daily life. And I want to encourage you today because that is available to you. And I love how God kind of writes the script. Notice how when uh, James says, draw near to God, notice the first part of that is on us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Who has to move first now? Who's waiting? Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob, for communion. Are you still awake, bro? Thank, excellent. Just put a hand up and let me know. Just nod. That's all I need. Yeah. Just <laughs> Thank you, Rob, because we do have one that has been sent to live with us. And I have been challenged over the last 12 months. Sean, what do you have? Now, I'm going to make a couple of statements. And before you put an ad in the positions vacant for Pastor Wanted, I pray that you'll stay with me and finish today. If you are accustomed to praying, Father, pour out your spirit. Can I encourage you to stop? Keep the tomatoes for a second. You know how sometimes we can fall into the trap of praying, Father, let your presence fall. What would God say? God would say, my presence is already there. I want to challenge you today. We don't need to ask God to pour out his spirit. He already has. So if God's already poured out his spirit, then why aren't we walking up the temple gates like Peter and John? The reason is, in short, God has poured out his spirit, but his spirit can only flood into empty vessels. And I want to take you on a path this morning, the pathway to Pentecost. And as we work our way along, you ever watch those movies where they, they give you the ending of the movie, which is really frustrating, and then they go back and they, the whole movie is telling you the story. Well, I'm going to give you the end of the movie today, and then I want to tell you what leads up to it. And the end of the movie is Acts chapter 2, where Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. Interesting that Pentecost isn't just the day the Holy Spirit fell. It was actually a celebration. It's interesting, uh, there's no kind of coincidences with God. If you know him well enough, you know he doesn't just haphazardly do anything. But for the Holy Spirit to fall in power on the first church, on the day when they were celebrating the day of new beginnings in harvest, and the beginning of the harvest, that's not a coincidence. God's telling us something. The harvest has begun. The Holy Spirit's pulled out and everybody's confused. Did you notice that? I love what Peter does. Very important as we walk our way forward through this is that the Holy Spirit is pulled out and everybody's confused. Everybody standing there says, you know, these guys must be drunk. They're, they're talking in languages and telling us the wonders of God in our own language. And Peter says, and this is one thing we must grab, we, Peter immediately disperses the confusion by how he opens the scriptures. And very often we can try to define truth by our experience. And that's where people get into trouble. We're having all of this experience, so we'll frame it with some truth or try to frame it with some truth. What Peter does is he starts with truth and puts a framework around the experience. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember that song? They used to sing at the Apostolic Church all the time. 
And thank God they don't do it anymore. (laughs) This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit. Your old men will dream dreams, Terry. Your young men, Neil, will see visions. (laughs) Have you been seeing any visions, brother? (laughs) But then Peter says something very important later on in the chapter that I want to kind of give some scripture to. Verse 32 of chapter 2, this Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has, underline the word has, circle the word has, highlight the word has, poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. God has poured out his spirit. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. It's a different Peter. But let's go on a little bit of a journey. If I can take you on a little bit of a journey, you can write these scriptures down and then you can come to them later. I want to kind of make our way through some... If Peter could take you back, if you were... Let's say you're walking next to Peter as he's being led out to be executed, crucified upside down, by the way, at his request. But if you were walking next to him and said, Peter, you've had a wonderful life, but tell me what are some of the most monumental moments in your life? I believe that Peter would put flags. Many of us would say Pentecost. Many of us would say, surely Peter would say, the most defining moment in my life was when the Holy Spirit fell and over 3,000 people were saved in one day. I ain't seen a preacher that can match that yet. I want to challenge you, that's not what Peter would say. But if he was putting flags in the ground, he would begin all the way back in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. God calls fishermen first. I just thought I'd drop that one in there. Verse 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And in that sentence, there are two words that are very, very important. And it's not follow follow me and it's not fishers of men. It is make you. You see, when Jesus called Peter, some people need to hear this this morning. I'm not going to go too much into calling because I spoke about it last week. There are people here that need to hear this. When Jesus called Peter, he was not ready. When Jesus called Peter, he was a haphazard, cussing Galilean fisherman. We're going to see evidence in a moment that he couldn't even catch any fish. Like a day out with Reuben. Where is he? Yeah, happy birthday. Follow me and I'll make you. I will make you fishers of men. We don't need a resume to come to Jesus. You don't need to clean your life up to come to Jesus. You don't need to be perfect for Jesus to use you. You don't need to have everything in order and all the dots. And In fact, Jesus would prefer you didn't. Jesus says, come as you are. Billy Graham wrote the book, Just As I Am. Great book. But I love the response. Verse 20, immediately. They didn't hold a prayer meeting. <laughs> they didn't ring Pastor Sean. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. A flag, number one, if we're doing pathway to Pentecost, the first stepping stone would be when God calls us. When God places his finger on your life and calls you. And so often we think, I can't be used of God. 
until I'm ready. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus, Jesus held an all-night prayer meeting to find out who his disciples should be, isn't it interesting that when Jesus was searching for his disciples, he never went anywhere near the temple? He didn't go and seek out the high priest. He went to the shores of Galilee and found some rough and tumble guys and he poured his life into them. Moving right along, if we come to, bless you, if we come to Luke chapter 5, I, I want to highlight another thing. that another, We have milestones or stepping stones in our lives of revelation. There are moments in our lives when it's like the curtain drops and we see what was always there, but we couldn't see it because of the curtain. And God has a way of just dropping that curtain. That's what revelation means. For some people who are not saved, it's, they come to a point when the curtain drops and they see their enormous need for Jesus and their enormous, the enormous sufficiency of Christ and they give their lives to him. So he reveals himself as saviour and then they step into it. There are periods in our lives where God reveals himself. He may reveal himself as, as healer and we step into that and walk in that. But there were key moments of revelation in Peter's life. Have a listen to this. At the point of calling in Luke chapter 5, verse 6, it says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Now, everybody knows the story here, right? Jesus is walking along the shorelines. They haven't, they've worked all night. They've caught no fish. Again, it's like a trip with Reuben. And then they, as they're, Jesus comes up to them and says, Cast your nets out. And they said, We've worked all night. Peter says, but at your word, we will let down the nets. And the, they haul in a load of fish that is breaking the nets. Have a listen to what Peter does. There's a, there's a huge amount of people on the shoreline. There's a huge amount of people in the boat. It's not just one boat. Verse 7, they signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. This is like when I go fishing. Oh, you've got to come help me bring this one in. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, revelation now, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Moments in the presence of God. We all want the presence of God. We all, yes, let's get closer to God. I'm going to make you a guarantee. It's a warning right now. The closer you get to God and the more of his presence you know, the more your sin bubbles to the surface. It can't be any other way. Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Everybody else there didn't get it. He got it. The veil dropped. You're no ordinary man, Jesus. Luke chapter 9, another intense moment of revelation. Jesus, the story is also told in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Why is that important? Caesarea Philippi was where all the Roman soldiers went to retire. It was a retirement village, like Tassie, really. Everybody goes there to retire, but it was also very decadent. It was very worldly. It was full of idols and pagan worship. And all the gods of that time were on offer in Caesarea Philippi. Against that backdrop, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? He says, who does everybody say that I am? And every answer is supernatural. Elijah, John the Baptist, John was dead. One of the prophets. Everybody associated the supernatural with Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, but who do you say that I am? 
And Matthew 16 tells us, Peter answers, you are the Christ. Christ means anointed one and his anointing. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And Jesus goes on and says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon the rock of what? Peter? No. Upon the rock of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Our mission statement here of the rock is to know Christ, first part, and then to make him known. The veil dropped. I know who you are. If you read Peter's epistles, he will tell you of the moment when he went up the mountain with Jesus. Imagine this. All the disciples are down. Wouldn't you have a story to tell the other guys? You wouldn't believe what we saw up the top there. All the other guys are down the bottom arguing with the scribes. He's up the top of the mountain and a veil drops. The word that is used is used three times in the New Testament. It's a word called transfigured. It means metamorpho. Metamorphosis. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's like caterpillar and butterfly. For all those years, they'd been walking with what in their eyes perceived to be a caterpillar. But in a moment, the veil dropped. They saw the glory of Jesus for who he really was. Peter's, Peter writes about it in his letters. He says, that glorious moment on the holy mount, he says in Second Peter, changed his life. A moment of revelation. I know who Jesus is. It's the same in our own lives. There are uh, How many people know? We're only two steps in, but how many people know that this is probably something that keeps recurring in our lives? That God keeps dropping the veil and revealing more of himself and more of himself and more of himself. Number one was calling. Number two is revelation. Number three is one that none of us like, but every single one of us in here will be acclimatized to. It's called stretching. Uh, for us buffs that go to the gym, I heard that. I, I just want to lay it out there. You too could have a body like mine if you neglect it. <laughs> We waited for you to get it dawn, and then we thought we'd move on. Thank you. <laughs> for, those of, for those buffs of us that go to the gym, uh, don't say a word, John. If, uh, we know that when we're working out muscles, the idea is what we want to do with those muscles is we want to apply resistance to them in such a fashion that you will actually break them beyond their capacity. That's what you want to do. What happens is when you do that to your muscles, they stretch and they rip and they tear, but then they grow. I mean, I can grow my abs just by eating. <laughs> I've just seen if Rob was awake. But there was a deep moment in Peter's life where Jesus stretched him. There was a moment when they'd gone across the lake and Jesus sent them off in front of him and then he begins to walk across the water. Matthew chapter 14, you can pick up the story if you want to later on. And as they're walking across, they think they see a ghost. And they're not sure whether it's Jesus and Peter yells out. He's the only one, by the way. We'll get to that in a moment. But Peter yells out, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. What does Jesus do? He gives him a word, an empowering word. And uh, Peter steps out of the boat what does the boat represent? Comfort, safety, assurance. How many people here can say, you know what, I've had, I've had seasons where God has stretched me. 
Because the minute Peter got out of the boat, he was walking on the water. Now, you can, I've heard preachers chastise Peter. Oh, yeah, oh, Peter sinking in the waves. Look at him, look at him. He's the only one that got out of the boat. Do you know, for years later, he could say to the disciples, well, I got one up on you guys. I've walked on water. I'd love to walk on water. It would enhance my fishing. <laughs> Amazingly. But we all like the boat. We all like... Even in church circles, I've met people that are so conservative. We've got to be safe. We, uh, I can remember uh, uh, my uh, brother and sister-in-law, they, they had a baby. And by God's grace, they had a baby. They had another one, uh, two beautiful girls. And uh, as a family, we were going out for to dedicate uh, for lunch. And I, and I said, look, we're going to book lunch for you guys. So just give us a rough idea when you think your church service. They said, no, 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 nothing rough. We finish at 11. They go to a different church than we were going. I was like, oh, no, I said, yeah, but, you know, by the time you have the sermon and the... De- no, 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 they said, you don't seem to understand. We finish at 11. And I was like, all right, okay. At 11 o'clock, the siren went and we all left. It was like, done. You, you, you sing songs once, not twice. And everybody... You could see at 10.59, everybody's on the edge of their seat. They've, they've repositioned themselves and a quick prayer and out the door. We like safety. We like to think we can put God in a box that looks like church. That's called the boat. We're okay. We'll let a little bit of water lap in every once in a while. But God's calling everybody to get out of the boat. There are moments and seasons in our life where he stretches us. Number three is stretching. Where he calls us to get out of the boat, where if you don't walk on the water, you sink. And if God doesn't keep you, if God doesn't sustain you, if you don't come through God, I'm going to sink. And we come out the other side thinking that our world is going to cave in on us. And we get out the other side and go, man, I grew in that time. Tozer says that God does his deepest work in our darkest hours. I need to get a renter crowd to amen those kind of ones. Thank you, thank you, Lynn. I'll fix you up later. <laughs> if I can get serious for a moment, there's a, I want to now come to the turning point in Peter's life. Remember how I said it's not Pentecost. I, I personally don't believe it's Pentecost at all. Let's see if we can kind of identify a little bit what's going on here with Peter. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, I want to begin and then I'm going to jump forward. Verse 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Now, how many people are thinking, how many, if you were Peter in that moment, how many of us would be thinking, oh, whew, Jesus has prayed that I'll go around this. That, you know, Jesus is going to stand up and rebuke that devil and everything's going to be all right. Interesting prayer that Jesus prays. Let's follow what Jesus has got to say here. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What? Is that all? Hey, hang on a second. I've prayed that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What? Let me give you the short English version this morning to kind of paraphrase it for you. Jesus is telling Simon, listen, the devil's packing some heat, and you're going to go through some fire, and when you get out the other side, I love how Jesus says, when you have. And when you get out the other side, I want you to go back and get your bros and bring them through. Now I want to show you what that fire looked like. Verse 54, then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following 
at a distance. Peter was following at a distance. Peter, Peter, the one that just said after that verse that I've just read, Peter said, you know what, I'll, I'll go to prison with you, Jesus. I will die with you, Jesus. Uh, how many know <laughs> he's talking the talk? Peter is now following at a distance. This is the same Peter that confessed Jesus as being the Messiah. The same Peter that almost walked on water. Well, he did for a little while. The same Peter that was on the holy mountain is the same one now that is a distance from Christ. This is what sifting looks like. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him, but he denied it. Stay with me now. We've all been here. Saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster cried. And if you could get alongside Peter, and if you could walk with him as he's going out to be crucified upside down, and if you could say, What's the one pivotal moment in your life? He would say, The day that rooster crowed. He said, because I thought I had it all. I thought I knew it all. I thought I was walking the walk. But all that life that Peter had spent all those years constructing, Jesus just blew on it in a second and boom. Pathways to Pentecost, here's one we're not going to like, is breaking. There are seasons in our life when God breaks us. There are seasons in our life when God opens us up. But I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you're in that point, I want to encourage you today. If you're not there, fasten your seatbelt. God has a habit of taking us there. God can break us slowly chiseling away, or God can put a stick of dynamite into the hard rock of our hearts and light the fuse and walk away. Peter was broken. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Jesus didn't need to say a word. When I was a teenager at the Salvation Army, not long born again, I was a haphazard, stupid little teenager that used to play up in church and my foster mother, God bless her cotton socks, used to sing at the front. And that was a perfect opportunity for me to play the fool and jerk around in church, but I tell you now, she could spank you with a look from the front. <laughs> One look and you knew, I've got to get out of here quick after the service. Sometimes when God looks, how many men here? Yeah, my wife's got those looks. If I can digress for a moment, in every one of the Gospels, there's a, an amazing miracle that is performed, but actually is telling us in a beautiful parable. I want you to cling on to that word, what do you have? I want you to hang on to that word, have, for a moment as we work our way through this wonderful miracle that happens, because 
what happens is uh, Jesus, after a long period of ministry, says to his disciples, you know what, let's, let's take off for a moment and have a break. Let's chill out. Leisure time, by the way, working for the Lord at leisure time is okay. Jesus even thought it was okay. But the crowds chase him. And they spend days chasing him and he's ministering to them for almost three days. And Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, you've got to send these guys away. They haven't eaten for ages. And the villagers close by won't have much. And these guys, they'll faint on the way back. And Jesus says, well, why don't you guys give them something to eat? Jesus turns to Philip, if you read the account, and says, what do you have? What do you have, Philip? What the disciples saw was an enormous amount of need. Walk the streets out here and you will see an immense amount of need. And in our own physical capacities, we look at all the need that is surrounding us and we we don't have any way of being able to fix this. Lord, we only have five loaves and two small fish. And the important part of this story is not what you have, but who you give it to. Something very deep and profound happens. Jesus says, bring the bread to me. And he takes the bread and he does something with the bread. Can anybody tell me what Jesus does with the bread? Breaks it. And those meagre five loaves that wouldn't have even fed half a family, wouldn't have even fed one of my boys. Those meagre five loaves in the hands of Christ, once he breaks it, There's the beautiful truth that whatever is yielded to Christ, he will take it, offer it to the Father and break it. And then there's multiply. And those five mega loaves fed over 5,000 people and they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. What's Jesus trying to tell us? I am more than enough. And if you will yield yourself to me in the breaking, there is multiplication. we want to have a fuller capacity, if we want to be closer to God, there are periods and there are seasons in our lives that God breaks us open. And when he does, we walk in a new power. That wasn't the end for Peter. This is what I love. If you read Mark chapter 16, which was written by John Mark, but orated by Peter, you will read that what the angel tells the ladies is, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Don't forget Dopey. Go and grab Peter. And in John chapter 21, we read a beautiful exchange. This is what I love about Jesus. You know, Peter had made an enormous mistake. Peter thought he was everything. And then, of course, we come to the point where the rooster crows and he's broken. But then there's a beautiful point where we go through restoration. You know, God might tear the house down. Proverbs says that God will tear down the house of the proud. So if you're proud here this morning, that could be a warning. God will tear down the house of the proud, but God always seeks to rebuild. And to restore. And what I love about Jesus is in John chapter 21, when he comes to Peter, he doesn't bring it up. Does anybody notice that? The profoundness is found in what he doesn't say. Hey, if I was Jesus, I'd have said, hey, told you so, kiddo. Told you I was coming back. Told you about that rooster. Not Jesus. Doesn't even mention it. 
What Jesus does say, and this is profound, Jesus comes to Peter and says, Simon, son of John. He addresses Peter by his old name. It's not Peter, not Kepha. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The most important thing, love. God strips us away. You know that sifting that Jesus was talking about with Peter in that breaking and that sifting? All the rubbish gets left behind and then Jesus says, okay, let's rebuild. And Peter answers, Jesus uses the word agapeo. Do you love me, Peter? Which is a verb speaking about something that is deeply intimate. Peter answers, you know that I phileo love you. That is a kind of a friendship, association kind of love. Jesus wants to move Peter to a deeper love and to restore him. And Jesus says, let's get on with it. Feed my sheep. You need to leave the old behind and you need to move on, Peter. There are deep, deep seasons of restoration in our lives. There's one more left that none of us like before we get to the end of the story today. But how many of us, just before we get to the end, how many of us can say, you know what? This isn't just a one-time journey. You don't just go through stretching once. God stretches us constantly. and There's not just a one season of breaking. God breaks us constantly. And I I remember the testimony of Catherine Kuhlman when she was deeply, deeply broken. And this is a great witness today to those that think that women shouldn't be in ministry, right? You've got to do something with Catherine Kuhlman. God worked powerfully, powerfully through that woman and many other women, by the way. But I remember reading her story and her story was centred around a higgledy-piggledy time in her life when she really wanted to marry this guy. She'd met this guy, she fell in love with him and she was deeply, deeply in love with him but something was not right on the inside and she decided to make up her mind. She'd go for a walk and she'd pray and she said, I closed my eyes and just kind of wandered through the streets. She said, when I opened my eyes, I was at a dead end. And she said, I knew I had to give the relationship up. And she was broken. She wept. From that moment, someone let a cracker off in that woman. Praise God they did. And she was restored. It's amazing how you can't lose ground with God. You you can get blown to pieces and broken apart, but God moves us forward. Here's the one that none of us love. All men really, 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 really hate this one. The last one is waiting. Because Jesus comes to the disciples in Acts 1-4 and says, go and wait. Sometimes there's periods in our lives where God just says, you know what, stand still. Stop getting out in front of me. Like the Old Testament in the wilderness. When the cloud lifts and moves, you move. But in those periods of waiting, which by the way is not passive, God has a way of just opening us up ready to fill us. And 120 people did exactly what Jesus told them to do and they went into the upper room and they waited. But waiting for them looked like we're going to seek God, we're going to pray, we're going to... uh, Another way to understand the word wait in the Bible is an eager expectation. They eagerly waited and expected for God to do something powerful. I'm going to ask Karen if she can come and play quietly as we come to a conclusion. I want to ask everybody today, coming back to where we started, can I lay the challenge at your feet this morning? What do you have? 
for a world that's in need, for a world that is at our doorstep, that is lame, what is it that we have to offer? I want to encourage everybody here that God wants to move us to the point of Pentecost. God wants us to move to the point where we experience a deeper, deeper knowledge of his love and the power of the Holy Spirit. But will you yield and surrender yourself to Christ this morning? Just like when the disciples brought the bread to Jesus and yielded it and surrendered it to him. Jesus gave thanks and broke. Will you yield your life in surrender to Christ? I'm going to pray now and we're going to close the meeting. But if you need prayer this morning, then if you need to do business with God, then the front is always open. We'd love to pray with you. But I'm going to ask if we can stand in the presence of God this morning. If we can just stand and just allow him to place his finger on those areas in our lives. Maybe this morning you're at the point of calling. Maybe, maybe you're at the point where you feel God is placing his hand on your heart and calling you to follow him. Maybe just like those disciples, you were completely unqualified. But Jesus is saying to you today, I will make you. And maybe you're stepping into deep areas of revelation where God is just unveiling more of who he is and drawing you in that revelation. Maybe you're being stretched today. Or maybe, just maybe God lit that fuse and blew you up and you feel like you're broken this morning. Maybe you, just like Peter, were walking, thought you were walking the walk, but you're only talking the talk. Maybe today's the day you move Jesus from the back room and you say, Jesus, you can have the whole house. Maybe today's the first day of restoration. Almighty and glorious God, as we stand in your presence this morning, we are all deeply challenged by what do we have. Each one of us know that you're calling us closer. Each one of us know that you're calling us to be empty before you. Lord, I'm going to pray a bold prayer for every person in this room this morning. I'm going to pray, empty us. Only empty vessels, Lord, can you pour your life into. I'm going to pray that you would empty each and every one of us and that the Holy Spirit would so flood into each and every one of us. Feed the multitudes, oh God, I pray. Feed the multitudes. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.